We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What do you think about the Laker team now? You follow the box scores of the games every day? Just the Lakers. You're kidding. That is really a compliment. I was pleased to see you smile at the top of our show because once the game starts, you have a game face. You don't smile much out there. I don't think you have to do things for money anymore. Correct. What's up, Laker fans? Welcome to the Laker Film Room Podcast, brought to you by the Blue Wire Podcast Network. I'm Pete, joined by Darius and Mike. And last night, Lakers fell 123 to 109 in Golden State. And if you would humor me, guys, let's. Uh, we have some overarching observations about the team that we were talking before we hit record. Let's save that for the second segment and try to, in this uh, first segment, focus on last night's game. And so, Mike, ring night for the Golden State Warriors. Lakers hung in there in the first half. I thought we defended okay. Uh, Both teams shot poorly from three. We were three for 21. I think they were five for 20 or so. And then a classic Golden State run in the third quarter for a variety of reasons put the game away. Lakers go on a garbage time run to make it a little more respectable in the final score. But that game was over in the third quarter. Uh, What were your observations from on the ground last night? There's just a big gap between these teams right now for obvious and expected reasons. The Warriors, not only do they have the cohesion and the consistency of the lineup and the guys that know how to play together, but it's they're all do they're all operating within a system that they understand and they know. And there's just so many unknowns for the Lakers. And we we mentioned this as we did the game preview. Who's going to start? What's the bench rotation going to be? How can they find a way to be a little bit bigger? What can the guys around LeBron and AD do to make up for um, some of the other deficiencies on the roster? And all of those questions, I thought, came to bear. And I'll say, as you just requested, Pete, I'll save the what does it mean uh, for a second. But the game itself, you know, they stayed tight because AD was just terrific for about a five minute stretch of the first quarter. Because Golden State did, they separated by about nine points early in the period, and it looked like it was going that way. And then AD was blocking shots. He was getting steals at midcourt. He was getting in transition. He was finishing inside. The Lakers started with a 14-2 to edge in terms of paint points. Uh, and then the Golden State just kind of steadily, they just stuck to what they do. And it was really hard for the Lakers to find answers to that. And uh, that's, Darius, the part that I was expecting some, right? That's That's what... That's it's hard to make up for that gap um, in what these two teams have right now. And I thought that was evident, especially in that third quarter. 
And yes, that is when Golden State makes it put makes its push. That's when the really good teams, including like the 1920 Lakers, made their push, and the answers weren't there on the roster, and or just in how guys played. And we can get into individual games, but from a team standpoint, it just wasn't there. Yeah. So there were a bunch of interesting comments that came out of the post game, and you got firsthand experience of of sort of like getting the tone and the body language and all of that of everyone when they were speaking to those. But one of the key stats, Pete, I thought was just the discrepancy in shooting and how how that bears out over the course of an entire game or in crucial stretches of games where that can be a true separator. And one of the things I love about basketball and Phil Jackson used to say this, but he used to say like, um, like Mo is a bitch and he would often talk about big momentum. And he would also say that like a game could turn on a trifle. Right. And it's like the fickleness of the NBA. But the thing I love about basketball is just how within the flow of the game, the game itself takes on a certain personality and it is it is tricky when a nut like it shows up in more than the box score when a certain team is getting things that they want whether or not the shots fall or not they are getting to the things that they want and you are not and then when you do when your shot does not fall And then the other team, when they do, their shots do fall. It creates this cascading effect within the context of the game and what the game feels Mm -hmm. like. And that is what the third quarter was to me. Like for all the hanging tough and everything. And I had texted you guys this at halftime. The Lakers were down seven. Like Andrew Wiggins committed a dumb over the back foul right in the closing seconds. They were up nine, but that sent LeBron to the free throw line with one second left. He hits a couple of free throws and the Lakers were only down seven. And I was just like, the Lakers should be down by 15 right now based off of like how they played and just some of the shots that the Warriors missed and the discrepancy in how cleanly both teams were getting to the things that they actually wanted to do. And so I guess we've gotten the on the ground perspective and we got my like from my couch perspective. I'm very interested, Pete, to hear what you saw, not only like initially, but I'm sure that you've gone back and rewatched, if not the whole game, then certain parts of the game to sort of get Mm -hmm. a better feel for the intricacies of not only what happened, but how it happened. Yeah, let's talk shooting, Lakers shooting and how the Lakers get there. Golden State did two things in that game that I suspect other teams will do, especially one more than the other. Uh, There were some, if you take some uh, freeze frames of screenshots of their defense yesterday, Golden State's, you'll see a lot of possessions where they've got four guys with a foot in the paint or close to it, right on the lane line. That's very much a like high school style of defense uh, where you're that extra step in, you're in the paint, you know, they're toe tapping to not get the defensive three seconds call, but they're very congested into the paint. There's a There was a play in the third quarter where like LeBron's driving to the rim and Russ's man has completely left him in the corner. JTA's man has completely left him up top. And LeBron is driving into three bodies. And we saw that several times over the course of the game, not just LeBron, but a lot of the Lakers drivers, that the decisions 
decisions defensively are so severe toward the paint that the that the driving lanes don't come into play as much and then the golden golden state switching is something that tends to to neutralize screening action it's something we can get better at over time of course but really the way to beat those primarily is through uh, matchup hunting but with specific so spe- specific to the lakers shooting it's a drive and kick type of offense in which a lot of teams are going to be like you could just kick i'm fine with you shooting a top or a slot to wing or a slot to corner three over a good contest by, you know, a six, two guy getting closed out on by a six, seven, six, eight guy. And we're going to make you knock down those shots because we're going to clog down the uh, clog the paint. And so one of the things that I see with Darvin, Mike, it's so reminiscent of last year is that like, I'm trying to get enough skill on the floor to be able to open up spacing while trying to have enough defense on the floor to not be too small on the other end. And in some ways, last night was kind of the worst of both worlds, right? Where I like those types of when they're so packed into the paint, you kind of got to knock those shots down, um, even if we're not the greatest shooting type of team. But there are, are going to be nights like this. So that that to me, the sh- the outside shooting and LeBron had comments to this after the game as well. And so that's going to be something that we have to adjust to. His comments were pretty blunt about the lack of shooting talent on the team. And, well, what do you guys expect? Basically, we don't have a bunch of shooters on the roster. And he wasn't wrong. Mike, I've never heard him sort of just so flatly say a thing in relation to his own team. And like, especially like after game one. Right. It's a lot of like a lot of times LeBron is like, OK, work our habits. This is that and the other. Like he's got so many pet phrases that he could go to. But he took that question like a lob off the backboard. He's just like, all right, like I'm going to give y'all what the truth is here. And, and I thought he was right on, though. Yeah. And this is something that we've talked about a lot on the pod about the shooting and Here's the quote. To be completely honest, we're not a team that's constructed of great shooting. It's not like we're sitting here with a lot of lasers on our team. And then he went on. And and one of the things that I wanted to say, and a couple of people tweeted this, I wanted to retweet, was, yeah, neither was the team that won the title in 1920. Uh, they finished 23rd in percentage and or makes, I think, and 21st in percentage. But they had a bunch of big defenders. And then they got out in transition and they had some lob threats and they scored at the rim. And that formula works. You can win the NBA title with that formula. So the focus just on the shooting to me has always been a little silly and teams are going to, it's like when teams pack the paint, as Pete just discussed, the way to get at that is to get stops and then run. And they weren't getting stops. They couldn't run. Uh, And then once you get in the half court, they're just going to stay into that shell until you at least hit some level of three pointers, even if the attempts are lower. So when not, when none of those things are working, that's when you have the lead going from seven to 10 to 15 to 20 you know, and kind of going up that way in terms of like, is there help on the way? That's, that's where I think that LeBron is, is just acknowledging that right now it's going to be some time before they figure all of that out. And unfortunately this is a very unforgiving Western conference specifically. And really as is the East, it's just an unforgiving league right now. 
even the teams that don't have the type of continuity and the veteran talent like Golden State or the Clippers will in these first two games, the way that this style is right now, like that's there's going to be it's not going to be easy to beat the OKCs and the Houston's, I think, with that are big and athletic and just energetic early in the season. So there are a lot of questions, uh, I think, that and and the team has just had so little time to come together. I'll I'll stop there. Uh, as I know, I just made multiple points, but that that part of the opener was bleak in just thinking that there there isn't necessarily some some formula or some lineup or some you know some brilliant idea that you take out of that and just can apply to Thursday's game against the Clippers that's going to go a lot differently. Pete, before we transition to bigger picture issues around the team, I don't want this to be completely dour. Um, in terms of our discussion, there were a couple of positive things that I saw that I'm hoping they could replicate over future games. And, and I'm wondering where your thoughts are around these ideas of um, what they did well on defense and how they actually were an excellent transition team when they were able to get out and run and, and the ways that they can threaten um, defenses, even in the half court with some of their shot quality that they got and the shots that they produced, right? And because I think that this was um, a telling yet somewhat extreme example of how things can go within the context of how the Lakers roster is constructed, right? There are going to be nights where they shoot 20 or 25% from three on high volume. And there's going to be nights where they shoot 35 to 40% from three on medium to high volume, because these are the shots that the other team is going to surrender. They're going to give the Lakers these shots and the onus is going to be on these guys to hit them. I thought there was a stretch on the wraparound between the third and the fourth quarter where the Lakers sort of got their bearings back and they were able to play together a little bit. And I was texting you guys saying that, like, I think this stretch is important, not because the Lakers are going to come back and win. They're not. Not even because they're going to come back and make the score super respectable, which kind of happened, but not really. Um, and not even because the Warriors were putting up some massive fight and that there was still this like really hand-to-hand combat thing going on between the teams because they weren't. The Warriors were probably thinking about their championship rings and which safe deposit box it was going to go in at their house by that part of the game. Right. But I thought the minutes between those guys were super important because they didn't get a lot of those minutes during the preseason. It was another fractured event. And so what did you see that was positive and building blocks from a thing that ultimately was a negative because of how they got their hats handed to them? I mean, I thought our shot quality was solid. I thought that when we pushed the pace, especially we were really good. Um, I thought, you know, our it's funny when the. LeBron, AD, and Russ triumvirate was formed. I think how you visualize the three of them playing together probably looked something like that. The problem with last night is I don't think a single role player played up to their abilities. I don't think a single one of them had an average game for them. We can talk about the roster construction and and this and that, but just relative to their own games, like Pat Bev's been a guy that since really the beginning of 
preseason has been really bad. And the game flipped when he picked up his fourth foul 12 seconds into the third quarter. We were down by five. And then Kendrick Nunn comes in. And this is something I think we'll talk about more in the second segment. And then Clay scored like three, four times in a row over the top of Kendrick Nunn because Kendrick Nunn is 6'2 and can't guard a six foot seven Clay Thompson and bother his jumper whatsoever. Um, but I thought our floor game in the first half, uh, particularly how we defended the three-point line, yes, Golden State did miss shots that they might normally make. But even Darvin pointed this out in his post game as well. I thought that our guards did a good job of uh, of closing out and making shots more uncomfortable at the three-point line. Um, and I, so I thought that we did that well. We pushed out the pace out in transition. But ultimately, there are there's some there's there are issues that obviously that we need to address so let's take a break and when we come back get to some of those we're driven by the search for better but when it comes to hiring the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all don't search match with indeed indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. So earlier you were talking about... Uh Part of what you love about basketball and how a game can uh, assume its, its own personality. And they always do. That's one of the fun things about watching that game as opposed to whatever your theories are about the team. Like just stay in the moment on that game. And it's really fun to, to see the personality of different games. And in that, my belief is that you can win playing small players, right? The Golden State Warriors have a couple of small guards that are very central to what they do. And 
even in, I, isn't it funny? Like uh, it was seven years ago, was it? Or six years ago? Or was it 15? Yeah, it was seven years ago where Golden State started Draymond at the five in the finals. And I remember that was just like the biggest thing. Can you believe it? Now it's so common around the NBA, right? And so the team that won the championship that celebrated ring night last night has been small, right? They have small players across the board and have won championships in that manner. There are also teams, as Mike mentioned, that have won that can't shoot particularly well, such as the 1920 Lakers. What you can't be is both. You can't be small and not be able to shoot. And the thing about our guards in particular is they are guys that are used to feeling the ball, that are used to having the ball in their hands rather than that catch and shoot type of guy, Mike. The Lonnie's, the Kendrick Nunn's, they can do it, but it's not what they do. And they're more scorers than they are catch and shoot guys. And so my thought in looking at the roster and what LeBron said last night as well is that we can't conjure shooting. Matt Ryan is our best and he played 15 minutes last night, right? He's our effort to be able to con- uh, to bring that to the table. But I do think that we can be a bit bigger. And so that idea of, I'm curious to see what direction Darvin goes in because we're just too small across the board. There's so many possessions where I see Lonnie Walker on an Andrew Wiggins, Austin Reeves and Russell Westbrook trying to keep Jamichael Green or uh, James Wiseman off of the board, where it's just like the thing you're asking the guy to do, he's just too small to do it. And and that clay scorching none on a few possessions is, is part of that. So, Mike, that's that's kind of where I'm at, is that you can't be small and not be able to shoot. And we are both at the same time and only one of those we can really address. Yeah, and I would. I don't think the Warriors have ever been small uh, either. I, I mean, other than playing, so playing Draymond at the center, but they've always been huge on the wing, and they've had multiple big wings throughout their run. Uh, sure, they have. They have multiple. They have multiple wings. They also have multiple guards that have been central to what they do. Well, St- Steph Curry is the greatest shooting guard of all time, and he's and he competes defensively, mm-hmm. and he's not soft, and he battles. Uh, Clay is a huge guard. Jordan Poole last year, that was a different equation from the the previous titles that the Warriors won, where Steph was usually the only smaller guard on the court because Clay was his back Mm -hmm. court partner and they played, you know, Barnes and Durant and Iggy and on and on. And so they're, yeah, so I I don't, I just don't think they're, they've ever really been small. They've had a couple of guys, now it's Poole and, and Steph, but they're sort of all time shooting type guys. They've usually been smaller than the, the teams that they've competed against and beaten in. Well, not not in the wing, though, right? They've they've never been smaller on the wing. They've they've had a a smaller center sometimes, but the other teams had a point guard too. So yeah, so I guess it's just it's a it's an important little arguing point though to me, just because it, it kind of goes. This is the point that we've been having all the last couple of years about the roster and about the size or lack thereof on the wing and how. And it really goes back to Westbrook, right? And it goes back to Westbrook being out there on the court without the wing size defensively and the the salary slot that he occupies that does not enable the other those types of big wings that you need money for to get onto the roster. And and so that's the that's the to me what the connective tissue is and, and why it's been difficult to put size um, around LeBron and AD like there was before Westbrook. Just one thing about the Warriors and size and and everything else, I think. And here I am flying my Switzerland flag again. I think both of you guys are right to degrees in Clay and Iguodala and Wiggins. 
guys who have been at the two three spot, I think that they've offered a fair amount of size and and have been able to compensate particularly defensively. Right. But the first team that won the championship for the Warriors, they started Andrew Bogut, but then ultimately their best look was Draymond at center. Their power forward was Harrison Barnes in those groups. Right. And they, they he's weren't a big like team. a six, eight dude. Iguodala. Right. So he's a good size wing, but he's he's a, he's a pure wing, a good size wing. And Clay, I think, has excellent size for a shooting guard. And then they had Steph and one of their key bench guards was Leandro Barbosa. He was small. And just like last year's team, Jordan Poole was one of their key guards and he was small. I think to Pete's point, though, is that all those guys could shoot. Right. So Harrison Barnes, he like I know that he had that really rough finals series where he missed a bunch of shots and then the one that they lost. Right. Um, and then the next year they get Kevin Durant, which, who is a guy who is not small. But I think to Pete's point is that you can be small if you're going to hit a ton of shots and your shooting quality and shot making ability and shot creation ability flips the equation. It supersedes how small you are. And the Lakers currently do not have that. That's supposed to be the benefit you get out of going to smaller lineups, right? It's Harrison Barnes was a three all the way up until that point. And all of a sudden he's a four. And now you've got four guys that can shoot on the floor and a Draymond who's able to facilitate that. But to Mike's point, too, there is a baseline level of defensive ability and competence and sort of like I take pride in this. Right. And one of the things that of Mike course. has always preached that I think is super true is that when you ask your guys to defend this hard, then the shots don't always fall. And I think that there's a tax There is a tax for competing that hard defensively that you pay on the back end with how many of your shots are like, oh, well, that missed right. Or these shots are consistently short or what and why. Right. And so last night I was sort of messaging you guys and I was just like, man, like, oh, Walker, he needs to like I wish that like he needs to be more more aggressive. But we need these jumpers to like the Lakers. They need these jumpers to fall like Kendrick Nunn. They needed some of those early jumpers to fall, and they didn't. I think the same is true of Austin Reeves. Like, Austin is competing his tail off defensively, chasing, trying to get over the top of screens, getting bumped off, getting knocked off, and that saps your legs. You're tired. Like, and you're always thinking, and the mental engagement it is so high, and that's the thing I appreciated about the championship team, right? And so Mike brought up some important stats, right? But in the big picture, when it came right down to it, like I know it wasn't necessarily true for Danny Green, like like in the finals necessarily. And then as the playoffs wore on, he he was not as good. And the same was true of Kuz, but like KCP and Caruso and some of these guys, like they hit important shots, right? And getting to those minutes where everything requires a certain level of competition, you have to compete so hard that those shots then hitting those while you're competing at that level is that's that apex level. That's how good we are. And the skill level that you mentioned, Pete, 
if the higher that skill level and the higher natural ability on that end is going to allow more and more of those shots to go in. And, and the Lakers, I feel like for as skilled as they are with ball handling and and shot creation, it's that shooting part that is lagging behind a little bit and making up for that is going to be hard. And I feel like last night against the Warriors, that was the thing that stood out to me the most is that Coach Ham was put into positions where he had to try to choose. And it's just like, in the end, that's a losing battle, right? Like you may win some of those hands because it's just like, you're like, oh, I got hot here. This player, he outshot his normal performance, right? But in the big picture, you need either more size to compensate defensively, or you need the level of shooting skill available to you where more of those shots are going to fall regardless of how much defensive attention that you're being paid. To try and, and reiterate the point from, you know, it's an angle that we've talked about before, but just in the context of this conversation, some of the players that you mentioned on the 1920 team, if you compare those to the players that are on the roster now, like take Russ out, essentially that's that the three through 10 or whatever that grouping is. When you when the third player is is being essentially paid like the two stars, but that's going to sap the obviously the resources that you have for that rest of that roster and what the Lakers were able to bring in. And I just think that 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 is that is very difficult to overcome um, in terms of what you're going to expect players that are on a minimum or even a mini mid. And sure, you have some exceptions sometimes and there there will be better days. but. That that is the difference between watching Boston and Philly play before or watching the Warriors play is that there are a lot of guys that are in that those middle range type players. And right now that the Lakers don't have as many of those guys and we we can go back and forth and trying to optimize. And that's absolutely what the coaches are doing. They're working their butts off trying to figure out exactly what the best combos are uh, and how to play them. I just think that. It, it all ties back to the shooting as well. So Russ had a relative to last season. He had a good game relative to how he, how he played. Like as he was seven for 12, he got to the rim. Some, even if he missed a couple finishes, he got back and cracked down and rebounded. Uh, the assisted turnover was, was rough, but in terms of what you expect from him, he, he lived up to that. But when he's on the court with LeBron and AD, the way that the warriors or any other team is going to play, that's it's so much more exaggerated since Russ came here than it was when it was the LeBron and AD Lakers uh, to, through 1920, when they had the lob threat, when they had a couple shooters and they, the, the scouting report the teams are using now is so dramatic uh, in terms of dipping into the paint. And that's the thing that be, a, because of Russ being out there and B because of what they weren't able to get around the edges with that. That's the formula. I think that's making it difficult amongst some other things. No, I, I, I agree. I, I also though, like Russ was traded for KCP and Kuz and then Trez had opted in for the sake of, of making it work. And, uh, and so we can still like, to me, the idea that we can't put together forwards or wings without like KCP is a guard, just like our current guards. So the only wing that we traded in that is Kuz. Now we could really use a player like Kuz. Don't get me wrong. And your point that your, your point that one guy taking up that much salary, especially when he's not that type of player is well taken. But every guy aside from LeBron and AD that's taller than six foot four on this team is on a vet min. 
And so when you have that issue, when you have that roster where you've got LeBron, AD, and then the third star paid as those guys are, if the other assets or and the other like the MLEs and things like that are also going to guards and those guards aren't catch and shoot guys, it's just there's a lot of failures on the roster, simply put. And the fact that we don't have forwards, uh, the fact that none of those assets went toward a slightly better forward now, I think that's the direction we need to turn in, though, is that like these three guard lineups where we're not getting shooting out of them are worst of both worlds type of lineups to me. And so this was a game last night, D, where uh, Damian Jones did not play when in Gabriel only played a handful of minutes. Uh, obviously, Thomas Bryan is out. JTA played, you know, 16 ish minutes. And so that to me is where that's what we have. And those are high motor energy guys with a little bit of size. I think that can help significantly. My point is that there's no real version of our roster that alleviates that shooting right now. And that's a huge problem. It's also a mostly unsolvable one. The thing that we can do, though, is be bigger. We can play bigger than we are and win those types of battles and, and, and fights. And so that's where I'm at on that. Like there, there's... That's the direction I think we need to go in. We got this Clipper game coming up uh, as well, where they're a much bigger team than Golden State is. And they're going to pose a lot of uh, matchup issues, especially if we start with three guards and and play three guard lineups throughout. And so that to me is the recourse is more Wenyan, more JTA, more Jones and more conventional two guard lineups. You mentioned the stretch where Clay just shot right over the top in the third quarter. I think yeah. he had three straight shots, two were two pointers and then a three. And that just got gold state rolling. Well, who's going to guard Kawhi and who's going to guard Paul George? That's, they love to just sit in the perimeter and shoot over the top. And how are they going to match up if LeBron's not on one of them? And if AD's mm-hmm. playing center and Zubats is going to the rim, occupying mm-hmm. him, well, that's going to leave Westbrook and Patrick Beverly, essentially. And that's just tough. And, they're, and then not Marcus Morris does the same thing when he checks in. Right. You know, it's a it's a real bad matchup in that context. And they're going to do the same thing. They're just going to kind of pull in and encourage three point mm-hmm. shots. And if, if you hit some, that's fine. Not only are they going to play like that, but most teams in the league can construct now some type of lineup where they, where they can just, this is the scouting report on how you play the Lakers. We're packing mm-hmm. it in. They're going to, you know, they're going to try to get to the rim. But if we, if we get back in transition and maybe don't even hit the offensive glass that much and mm-hmm. just sort of, Incur- back off of LeBron, back off of AD. You guys want to shoot threes? Great. Russ, absolutely take the three. You know, get out to contest Walker, but Beverly, you want to shoot threes, especially if it's not in the corner. Go ahead. Be aggressive, right? It's just a, it's such a simple game plan right now, unless the Lakers can optimize the style that they want. And I, I hear your point about sort of playing bigger, but then you're right back in the mix there where you're using veteran minimum type guys who anybody could have had and, and Gabriel and Jones, right? And mm-hmm. it's not, you know, it's not necessarily a player that's going to that's going to strike fear into what the other team's game plan is going to be um, either. And and that's those are some other some other issues that I think that that as this team continues to figure out if there is going to a trade to be made at some point. Right. That that t- that's the type of thing to me that can address that more so than than what's there. But that does sound bleak, Darius. So I'm, I'm not I'm not intentionally trying to to push it like that. It's just, these are the questions I think for me from an opponent's perspective um, as to what they're going to do that I think is, is difficult for Darvin ham to try and counter uh, based on the tools that he has right now. So this is why too, that 
it's a make or miss league. And at some point, the guys who are taking these shots and the shot quality that they're getting, they have to step up and make them. And it's why LeBron, it's just like, you know, you have to put in the work and then you have to trust the fact that it's going to work, right? And then on the other end, you have to defend, right? And to Pete's point, like playing bigger is important. That's where I'm of the mind that the Lakers, when you have this many players who are on minimum contracts, you actually need all of them available in order to make the best choices that you can amongst all of the guys that are in sort of the discount bin, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah, vet min guys are often like specialists of sorts, meaning that like Damian Jones is your lob guy, right? Thomas Bryan is the the big guy, right? JTA is your defensive wing. And that's part of the reason why, like when Mike was asking the question about the Clippers, it's like JTA needs a big role. Like he's the guy to do that on this roster. Yeah, well, also, too, it's just like I would have loved to have seen Troy Brown yesterday for sure. just to get a couple of those minutes potentially defending Clay Thompson and not giving up shots over the top or I watched Moses Moody shoot over the top of Kendrick Nunn. And it's just like, yeah, well, Moody's a six, six guard, right? It's like, and he's being defended by a six, two guy. Hey, Max Christie, one for one career, three point shooter. That's right. Yo, actually, Max, we may Let's be having go. a conversation about Max later. Cause Max is a big guard that can like, th- that's the thing about our guards is like, if you're going to play smaller guards, they have to be able to play up. Like Kendrick Nunn cannot, he, he's a, a one position defender, right? And so, so asking guys to do things that they can't do is just a recipe for failure. Well, and this is where like, look, I could go 20 more minutes on this pod and we're not going to because it's beating a dead horse. And this is the gift and the curse of an NBA season that is 82 games long in any single game. You could talk for an hour and a half about the things that went well or did not go well or a combination of both. But there's another game tomorrow. And that's just how it is. It's, it's just like the train does not stop for you, right? And if you stand in front of it for too long, you go and get run over. But Pete, you made the point earlier about the role players not playing like even an average game for their talent level. None was one of those guys. If you only watched the box score, you'd be like, oh, look at Kendrick <laughs> right. Nunn, the only other guy that was in double figures. He shot over 50%. But he had a pretty rough first half and his decision making and some of the situations he was put in as a ball handler are not actually what he's good at, right? Mm-hmm. And, and then he was put into other positions later in the game to have to defend much bigger and more physical players. And that's just a losing scenario for Kendrick Nunn, right? Mm-hmm. And then on top of that, that's going to then hurt your team in ways, sometimes big, sometimes small, but the small ones, they add up and can become bigger things. And this is why the Lakers actually need all of their guys. It's why Darvin Ham was stressing health, I think, so much because Thomas Bryant actually is an important player. He's a better basketball player than Wenyan Gabriel. We like Gabriel. He plays hard. He is a rangy mm-hmm. athlete who gets to lose balls and rebounds. He'll block a shot right. here, here or there. You know who is way better than him? Thomas Bryant is way better than him, right? 
Troy Brown is a ball handling guard who offers some feel. Uh, he's got potential as a shooter. He's actually shot league average on three point shots. Like he would be super useful as a six foot six guy who could defend actual mm. wings and be like, okay, well at least you have okay positional size, and you're not a six one or six two guy who has to go and defend. This this dude. And it's just like you need all of these guys to step in for it. Like, oh, Pat Bev, it's not your night. Well, then we're turning to this guy. Oh, Austin Reeves, it's not your night. Well, then we're turning to this guy. But as you take some of those guys off of the table, then you do have to turn to Wenyan Gabriel. You do have to ride it out with this other player who may not be having a good night and hope that he turns it around. And that is the tricky part. And I think it speaks to all of the points that we've all been making this pod where it really was a perfect example of what can go wrong for the Lakers. And I'm hoping that we start to get some games where we see the things of like what can go right. And I think we saw some flashes of that with LeBron in transition and Anthony Davis dominant for a five or six minute stretch where it's just like, oh, this is what this can look like. But the role players need to come to the party too a little bit. And in this first game, they just didn't. And they'll have plenty of other chances to make their way. I was going to make a point about Beverly and kind of what I saw last year with the Wolves versus so far this year. But let's save that. Uh, At least we had Darius sending a tweet before the game with the bronze draft day fit, reminding me of what he was wearing going into the arena last night, the all white suit. Uh, This time he had no undershirt. He had no tie. And I got to ask him about it. It was one, it was just one moment of levity after a really bleak post game Mm -hmm. press conference. So shout out to Darius for, uh, for letting LeBron talk about his style from 20 years ago, which he enjoyed, uh, which will help me as the season goes on. Because anytime you can ask a question that, you know, that, that a guy actually likes to answer, you get (laughs) to build a little bit of credibility. So Darius gets a little assist to that one. Uh, for me, even if people didn't want to hear it after a loss like that. And, uh, you know, just want to shout out Soriano hey, for that one. We will be back on probably Friday. No pod on Thursday. We'll be back after the Clippers game. Very curious what we ask our 6-2 guys to do in that game. <laughs> we will be back to talk about it. Fingers crossed. I This is this upcoming stretch is going to be a test of the Lakers' resilience. I do think, Darius, as Darius pointed out, there were some elements of that game that are, are starting points, things to work with, things to build off of, that we're figuring out who we are. That, but like, like Mike said, it's a rough schedule, especially early on, and and we're going to uh, have to take our lumps, I think, for a little bit, um, and as as we figure out who we are. All right, uh, no, this wasn't the the funnest one, but hopefully we got uh, got better news to talk about on Friday. But until then, you've been listening to Laker Film Room Podcast. We'll catch you guys next time. James has got it in low to McHale. McHale wants to turn his double team. Just pass out of front, broken up by Worthy. Tips to Magic. Worthy dies on his belly. Magic scores. There's Magic got it. Magic fires. It's good. The Lakers win the game. The Lakers win the game. Three seconds left. That next to the winner. It's on the way. Kobe Bryant, 48 points, 16 rebounds. With his eighth block shot that ties an NBA Finals record. A lot of Laker fans sticking around for this. You're seeing something that's very rare indeed. A Laker to get MVP chance in Boston. Boston. Of all places. Are you kidding me? Kobe. Hard to believe. Are you kidding me? Unreal. Are you kidding me? Lakers looking to push. 
Bryant spinning in the lane, back for Gasol, pretty pass, and it's back to a three-point game. Kobe Bryant, picked up by Bell. There's the move, two, one, miss it! It's over. Shot clock now to five. Bryant, yes! And that was a little tough to Albert Gentry. Add insult to injury, Kobe. I mean, what a shot. I mean, you can't defend that. Are you kidding me? 2.1 seconds remaining. Denver a foul to give. Jokic trying to disrupt Rondo. He puts it in. Here's Davis. 4-3 in the win. Oh, it's good! Anthony Davis has won it for the Lakers! James again. Oh, he hits another one. LeBron James putting together a closing quarter against the Nuggets. This historic 2020 NBA championship belongs to the Los Angeles Lakers. The Lakers conquer the bubble, and banner number 17 will soon hang in the rafters.